Hello there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we go back in time not only to earlier this year when we recorded this episode and we're still called the Oz F1 show, but back to 1989 for the Suzuka Japanese Grand Prix. Oh, one hell of a race and one hell of a chat. So sit back, relax and enjoy this Classics Race Review. Joined by my friends and yours, the two Thomases, Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day. Love the pointing in Kepi. Anything for you, bro? <laughs> That's really disappointing. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not disappointing is um, you guys are more like the cockroaches at this point, oh, to be honest. You, we boy. haven't quite got there yet. Uh, the good, exciting part about this episode is that we are reviewing Suzuka 1989. All right. What was a not bloody race. You weren't even around. I don't. I think I was just around, and Campy was forty. <laughs> it hasn't changed. I was just around a bit. too. Uh, but look, if you haven't watched this race, it is a phenomenally entertaining about an hour and twenty minutes. So it's actually not a huge commitment of your time, and they're all over the place. But uh, what we're going to do is do a normal Oz F1 race review, but we're going to look back, obviously, on this. But Tommy T is going to drive the ship because he loves this sort of stuff. So, Tommy T, <laughs> you up. are now the star in You're this up. episode. Forgive me? <laughs> Having a crack. <laughs> Apologising first. Good. No, so first thing I was going to do is like, let's set the scene because firstly I wasn't here so I didn't even know what was going on at this time. <laughs> so I needed to like put myself back in the time. Mm. So just a couple of things that had happened that year. Mm. We've got George W. Bush Sr. sworn in. Jeez, he was a dud. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "Jeez, we're not going to get that like Yeah, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective came out. Oh. Madonna, oh. like a prayer. Oh, <laughs> okay. Michael Jordan, the shot. Oh, yep. Ooh. And we've got Tiananmen Square happening. So that's just kind of like, let's just throw it all back in there. Yeah. It's how long ago this actually was. Mate. A whole 31 years ago. It's a long time ago, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. Lewis Hamilton not winning. Love that. I'm signing up for that. That happened? <laughs> I don't know. Not in I recent don't history. <laughs> Lewis was a right three years old back then. Just wow, a hot tip, Lewis. young Lewis. Hot tip. There it is. Probably yeah. watching with his dad back then, to be honest. As yeah, well. good point. Yeah. Love that. He's, Love he's that. very keen. So, how did it all work? How's, how did quality work? So, these are the things. So, we go back further in history and just we just have rules that we assume were always the rules. Mm-hmm. Not the case. So, qualifying back then was. Friday, Saturday practice, your best time was where you started on the grid. Simple. Love it. Love that. But probably not exciting. They had a Sunday warm-up too, didn't they, in the morning? Yeah, but didn't didn't count towards your position. Yeah. But we can imagine, like, just say it's rain forecast on a Saturday – Friday, you go and set your time. There's no point going out Saturday. Like, it's not going to be better than yesterday. Just sit in here. Wow. There's no reason to do it. Just, why would you? So it wasn't as exciting as what we've got now, which is qualifying session. So I think we've we've improved there maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not all these practice sessions, but <laughs> certainly for that. Mm. Next thing was the points were completely different. So we've had many different point systems, but for this, mm. current, this current era, we had <coughs> nine points for a win, then tearing down to six, four, three, two, one in sixth. And Love only that. your best 11 results counted towards your driver's championship. Woo. All of your points counted towards constructors, but only the best 11 results counted towards your driver's championship. So which is why it makes sense when we're talking about the start of this race that Senna had it all to play for and needed two results to win the championship. Yeah, so in, this, in, this, in some background for this season, Senna had won six races 
and he'd also had two mechanical failures while in the lead by miles um, in two of the previous races. One of them was at Monza and the other one was Silverstone, I believe. He also, in another race in the lead, got taken out by Nigel Mansell in the Ferrari. By that moustache. Yeah, it was a great moustache. <laughs> the tash. The tash. We'll get to the tash. But he actually got taken out when he'd been black flagged, so he shouldn't have even been in the race should have been pulling into the pits and stopping and he took him out. So Senna was pretty frustrated, he won the world championship the year before. Yeah. And he should have got he should have really doubled up, really. But we'll get to the it was, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about that. We'll get to that. Sure. So he'd won six, should have won another three, really. Oh, and uh, in this race, there's two races to go. He had to win both to win the world championship. To take it from Alan Prost, his teammate. Yes, and Alan Prost. He uh, he had to drop one of his point scoring results because it, he'd had such a consistent season. Yes, yeah, so his best eleven. He'd had too many points, yeah. and one of those had to drop away. Wow. <laughs> the other things to talk about was the engines back then. So mm. we've done a podcast recently about the current regulation changes. This is so from the previous year. We had turbochargers in '88. Yeah. This year, no turbochargers. But Boo. back then, geez, it was simple. 3.5 litres and then between 8 and 12 cylinders, do what you want. <laughs> so we had V8s, V12s and V10s all running so around good. the same field. So two most dominant engines. We had the McLaren-powered Honda. Yep. We had the Ferrari. Williams and the Renault and the Ferrari V12. So the other two are V10s. Then we had a collection of V8s, the Judd and the Cosworth, kind of most of the field. We had a Lamborghini V12 in the Lola car. <laughs> That blew that up. Yep. <laughs> a lot. Would have sounded great. <laughs> wow. And a Yamaha V8 in the Zack Speed. So just very, very interesting times that you can have so many different engines, so many different sounds. Like we, we all know how different all these engines can sound. We're now running hybrids with massive turbochargers and they all sound somewhat the same. They're slightly different, but this would have been incredible. Yep. What, what amazes me is that the regulations were so different back then. Yeah. These days we have such constrict, concise. Oh. I mean, we're talking millimetres and flex angles on front wings. Yeah. Back then it was like, yeah, as long as it's 3.5 litres, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you want. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Which is, what a time. Which is great. And we also had like 26 starters about this specific race. But yeah. I mean, in terms of how many different engines there yeah. are, times that by having 26 cars on the grid. Totally. Unbelievable pandemonium ensues. So when there's 14 finishes, actually that's not really a good race because there have been so many people who have Whereas dropped now, off. 14's good. Be happy yeah. with 14 finishes. It's funny. It funny too because in 88 they had 20 20 teams start, one team failed to make the first race. They had 38 cars on the grid. That's insane. Oh, the starting grid to go around the back of the last turn. Yeah. Mate, Mazepin would have got to drive easy back there. <laughs> 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 That's insane. Man, oh, what a different time. Man. Yep. Alrighty. Well, this is this is the time we're going to introduce a new segment that's going to be consistent throughout this year. Oh. And James is very excited for this. He's been practicing. Mm. And what, what we're going to try to endeavor is James, the fastest speaking one here, yep. is going to try and give us a race review in the fastest lap time of that current track. So we're looking at Lewis Hamilton's one minute thirty seconds, and then point eight three. And you have to try and give us 
a full race summary in that time. This is not ideal. Campy and I will be timing. Whilst Campy. there wasn't a, a lot of lap, well, not a long race, so much happened in this race, trying to fit it into 1.30. And when Tommy suggested, you just do it in the fastest lap time. For Senna, it was he like 1.30. I thought I had an extra eight seconds. Turns out I don't. And another reason why Lewis Hamilton's on the list. Anyway. Now, uh, while he's doing this, me and Tommy are going to be poking fun at him from yeah. the side. Do we have to, to set try and make him laugh, reminiscent of high school when you had to read out I feel like we're not allowed to talk. <laughs> <laughs> not that we went to the same high school, but yeah, okay. So we're not, I don't think we're allowed to talk and make noise because that would be bad for oh, the audio oh, listeners, but yeah. I think we can kind of just give him looks and we can yeah. we can try and put him off in that respect. Because, But can. he's a consummate professional. He's the most broadcast ready out of all of us. Campy and I are absolute chumps. Mm, chumps. We have That's no great. idea. Chumps. This is polished... Flight attendant Polished. worthy. He is <laughs> spick and span. He's ready to roll. He actually did the Ryanair takeoff and landing procedural he, recording that they play on every Ryanair this flight. <laughs> All righty. Head flight James, attendant. Are you ready? Male. Not really because you really got Come into my head with that. Yeah, you I did. triggered me slightly. <laughs> so That's some pregame. All right. Well, here in one minute and 30 seconds, point nine eight three is my attempt at reviewing this entire race. I'm here for this. Would you like to give me uh, a three, two, one, go, Tommy. I think Campy can do a three, two, one. All right. Three, two, one, go. In order to improve his straight line speed, Prost had his gurney flap removed before the race without Senna's knowledge. At the start, Prost got away much faster than Senna as, as he was hoping, instantly wiping out the Brazilian pole's position advantage. In fact, Senna's start was so poor that Gerhard Berger managed to get alongside him from his third pace on the grid. But Senna's McLaren was had the inside line of the first corner and he managed to keep the Ferrari behind him. With the race set up now clearly superior to his teammates over the first half of the race, Prost steadily built up his leader to almost six seconds and then Senna lost an additional two, sec- two seconds due to a slow pit stop. By removing the gurney flap, Prost had gone for a car setup with less downforce than Senna, giving him more straight line speed and protection against all but the most extreme overtaking attempts into the circuit's one clear overtaking spot, the chicane at the lap's end. However, with a new set of tyres on the balance of the power shifted, the reigning world champion began to reel in the Frenchman's lead. Senna finally caught Prost on lap 40. Prost had deliberately eased his pace, allowing Senna to follow him closely in this slipstream for the corners at the expense of forcing Senna to use up his fresher tyres. Prost had, get, had greater top well, speed on the straights. <laughs> Four settings gave him the advantage through the corners. On lap 47, Senna uses greater cornering speed to make sure that he remained close behind Prost's car through to the challenging double apex spoon quarter. This puts Senna's car directly in an aerodynamic toe for the leading McLaren, negating much of Prost's straight line advantage. Through the infamous 130R ultra high speed left curve, Senna's cut Prost's lead still further, pushing his car only two lengths behind his arrival. At the next corner after 130R in the chicane, the second slowest corner on the lap as Prost began to break for the corner. Senna dived along the inside and Prost tried to move and close the door, crashed into him, and then in the end, he got all these really wonderful bloody disqualifications. I can't believe I got that. It was that middle yellow stuff to me. I'm so sorry for all of that and my inability to speak quickly. Um, Best thing about podcasts is you can listen at half speed. You can probably understand what he said. You can. It still sounds rubbish too. Jim, that was very impressive, mate. Full great, mate. I would not have got halfway through that. Very (laughs) good. Why don't you talk about the grid, Tommy, while I recover my whole life? So I'm going to do what... Murray Walker did. I'm just going to gloss over who I care about, to be honest. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll we only talk about. about the English drivers the apart drivers. from the first two. We've got Ian Senna, Alan Prost at the start. We've got Gerhard Berger, Nigel Mansell, Patrese, and who do I care about now? Martin no, Brundle. Oh, you got to remember. Yeah, I'm getting to Brundle. He's in 13th. No, he's on the road. He's in 13th. But we have people like Nelson Piquet in 11th, uh, yeah. Jean Lacey. Like, th- these are... 
If you're around the world of Formula One, you have known these names. Like this was a pretty stacked, not, not, if, not if you've been watching wrestling, but this is a pretty names. good stacked deck for, for this race. So obviously the McLaren had the advantage here and yeah. you've got Nigel Mansell with the moustache in the Ferrari alongside yeah. Gerhard Berger. So yeah. this, like there's a lot of competition up to the boards the front. Yeah. Big time. Let's kind of slow down and go back to what James is talking about, huh? and we'll go through the race a little bit because you guys have watched it now, and this is why you're at this this point you're watching this. Yeah. So Prost got away really well to start with. Did he? Did he jump the start? No, well, he didn't. So this is why why I included keeping in removing his gurney flap. So he didn't. This is a, a big bit of error. We're talking in the previous episode about uh, the the difference that two seconds can make. Well, this is something that's stopping airflow. And Prost had removed it from his McLaren without Senna, who his who was his teammate, even knowing. So oh, there was a lot of conjecture about. Well, clearly he jumped the start because it looked like it looked, it. he got away. Look, it did a VB. It's like, well, surely that's yeah. not within. Mm. Regulations, but it's just because his car was so quick, mm. and there was a limited amount of downforce in comparison to Senna yeah. that that happened. But to be honest, it looked like he was pulling away as well. Like he was, he was gaining oh. an advantage oh, for the was, first kind of third of that race. Yeah, it was, it was reminiscent of Lewis Hamilton now. Like seriously, yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah. see ya. Give me ten laps, and I'm building a lead, and I'm maintaining that bad boy. So, we talk about the best moment of the race. Or do you want me to go through more of the race before we get to that point? I think we can leave that. Hey, mm. yeah, let's let's kind of go through best moments. Yeah. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Because this, this is the best. Center flipping people off with a blue flag and you just get out of the way. <laughs> Doing <laughs> these ones. <laughs> get out of your way, pal. Like, hey, he's a character and that's why the fans love him. That's why we love Senna. Yeah. Oh. He was the Kimmy before Kimmy. He just did not give a crap. All he wanted to do was race. Well, we even said yesterday when we were talking about this that a lot of the uh, the anger that comes through in this race, and we'll get to what happened a little bit later on, is very reminiscent of Max Verstappen now. There's a lot of passion in this yeah. guy in terms of his racing, and he pushes and pushes and pushes and doesn't care about teammates or team orders or any of that. He just gets on with it. Yeah. So that's good. My favourite moment of the race was Nigel Mansell after, with his moustache, after his car <laughs> inevitably broke down, after the comment of my favourite comment of the race by Paul. Uh, the question is if Mansell has enough oil to finish the race as these cars... Cars don't go so well without it. It's like, you reckon, mate. Anyway, so unlike today, all of these cars, as I said, there was like 14 finishes or whatever and uh, 26 started the race. All these cars, if they had broken down or whatever, just literally parked up on the side of the track. And there's one moment where the Japanese driver in his camel-branded car just pulled up behind someone else and got out. The cars were just left there. So that's the point of safety. But Nigel gets out of his car, which is a little bit on fire, and then sits on the wall and watches Prost and Senna. He he had his safety moustache on, though, so that's the reason why he was able to do that without anything. What was your favourite moment of the race, Campy? Oh, look, favourite moment of the race, there was a very good part where uh, Murray Walker was talking about all this. <laughs> what we were seeing on TV wasn't what he wanted to see. Like, <laughs> you were actually listening to he goes, oh, yes. he goes, I apologise, you're listening to two very frustrated commentators right now because what we're seeing on screen is not what I want to actually be watching. <laughs> so Nigel, Ma- Nigel Mansell was uh, coming up to the eventual winner, Anini, I think. Anini, yep. And um, there was a bit of a battle ensuing it and... Murray Walker could see the time and he could obviously see them going past at some stage. Yeah. Like, Jeez, this is what I want to watch. And he was carrying on for about for about four minutes yep. before they finally said, oh, they've listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it was brilliant. But he's trying to keep following Gerhard Berger in. So he's like, so if we stay on this shot, we can see it in the next image. Never mind, we've moved off of it. (laughs) Classic. You know what? TV directors haven't gotten any better. No. No. Classic. But the the safety back then (laughs) was just. What safety? Reminiscent of the times, right? Ah, we'll be right. Was there a speed lane? uh, Sorry, a speed limit in the pit lane? No Uh, speed limit. No, I think they did. They mentioned that because it just. I, on, on Senna's entry to the pit lane, it was mentioned. It was like, he better not speed through here like someone else, blah, 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 uh, blah. Okay. And it was like. It's definitely not it was, 60. It was more than 60, yeah. I can tell you that. Man. <laughs> and the other thing, like blue flags, you mentioned it. Blue flags didn't exist back then. That was a suggestion. They did not care. It was just get out of the way. Yeah. So if you had been a prick the week before, and <laughs> you, you know, like Senna surely had been to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to lap them the next way. They're like, no, nah, it's, it's going to make mate. it really difficult for you. I like that. Yeah. Because it means you've got to be a gentleman in every aspect so that you have the respect, not of your team yeah. and the fans, but your fellow, you know, I mean, your fellow drivers as well. Yeah. Um, Are you planning to bring that to this show at all? <laughs> not at all. Being you a gentleman? Guys, just thought I'd ask. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, he's a gentleman. I'm an acquired taste, put it that way. <laughs> Shout out to Brighty. Yep. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. All right. Our next, our next section is the best sponsor award of mm. the time. Camel. <laughs> Camel cigarettes, one of the grunts. The branding back then was amazing. Right oh, now, all so we get good. is three major sponsors plastered everywhere, digitally, physically. It was really good to see such an array of sponsorship on cars, off cars, everything. Yeah. It was awesome. And like good brands, good design, not this crap that we're getting now of rich energy well, and rubbish. Well, Marlboro was on Ferrari and McLaren. Yeah. How's that? That's how oh, big it I was. I love that. It's just yeah. the best. Well, you you suggested that my favourite should be some kind of airline, so which usually would be a sponsor of some kind. Well, sure. like now Emirates is the big one, but yeah. I tried to find Pan Am on anything, and I couldn't from obviously from my Ryanair <laughs> time, which didn't actually exist. But uh, my favourite one to look at is the Seven uh, Up. On the back of the Benetton. Yeah. That, that logo. That's good. It just looks cool because the Benetton's all like multicolored and stuff, and I think it just suits it. Where do you even well, buy seven up these days? That's the real question. <laughs> oh, that's the that's the real question in this podcast. Welcome to where you can buy Local seven up. takeaway shops, mate. Usually, <laughs> usually along with Dr. Pepper and some other random stuff. The one thing yes. I really enjoy about this this whole period is Murray Walker. Because oh. the guy is an absolute superstar. Icon. We have had many conversations around the current commentators and what commentary we get in Australia. Um, shout out if you can actually get Channel 4 because uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a much better time with Alex Jacques as the lead commentator yes. for the 2021 season. But Murray. Murray. So How we're going to call this the Murray, the Surely Murray Award. Surely. Because <laughs> I reckon about every sentence started with surely. surely. <laughs> what an absolute legend. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. And you can tell that back then he didn't have much to watch. He was basically looking at what we could see. Yes. Commenting, keeping us up to date of what was going on. Who was the co-host? Well, it's Paul at this point, uh, and I don't really know a lot about Because him. he sounded like he had a stick firmly entrenched <laughs> right up his backside. <laughs> he did. He, he was, like, really hard on a lot of drivers, yeah. and I was like, Karun, is that you? <laughs> I'm just trying to find some relevance here. Oh. But, no, so now. I've got a couple of nominations. Obviously, yes. we've got Shirley. Shirley. We've, we've got At This Stage. Yes. A mechanics fumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a little gesture. <laughs> What's your mirror, chum? But this is is the best part, I think, of the entire race outside of this, is this quote. 
Ron Dennis wielding the lollipop. <laughs> Ron <laughs> Dennis. Absolute legend. So we'll talk about the E incident, but when uh, Senna comes into the pits to, to do a change, uh, Dennis basically grabs the lollipop from the, the race side and the track side and just runs across the pit lane to hold it out. And then it actually looks like everyone was done yeah. And he paused just for dramatic effect because yeah. he knew that Senna was going to catch the next go anyway and then let him go. <laughs> it was, I was just like, I, I reckon we need more. <clears throat> I, I love the, sorry, you go. No, I reckon we just need more bosses bloody on the on the lollipop. Yeah, I, we need Karen Horner holding a lollipop to do the whole thing. Big yeah, fan. If you don't mind. I love the moment where Murray was talking about a French driver called Felipe Elliott and he'd had a little excursion off the track. <laughs> <laughs> An excursion <laughs> And his oh, very lines were, an excursion is a good word for him <laughs> and his history. You get the feeling he was the Pastor Maldonado of that generation. So I did some research, went back. That guy crashed out on like 80% of the races <laughs> when he entered. That's excellent. Or That's he had incidents you. in 80% of the race. That's, That's very great. Good. Oh. So, Murray, oh. what an absolute legend. An absolute legend. I love that. Okay, so this next award, we've got the Take Me Back Award. These are the things that we wish current Formula One had, things that have aged really well, things that we're nostalgic about. Mm. Campy, have you got anything that comes to mind? I love the open cockpit. Love it. Get rid of this halo. It's bad. (laughs) Never mind safety. Yep. (laughs) Okay, good to know. Yep. That's you asked so me what safety. I liked about <laughs> those guys. Lack of safety. I liked the sound and the lack of safety. Sound the for sound sure. and the lack of safety. It's like the OHS where when I go to a job site, so I come on, dude. I can't use a three foot ladder, but I can jump on a ten foot ladder because it's got a platform. Give me a break, you <laughs> James. Sorry, I'm digressing. James. They make themselves feel important, these OHS. I love the sound. Get a real job, you dickhead. So much. It's my favourite thing. Uh, Look, you're not wrong, though. The sound is phenomenal. And as you said earlier on, the the different engine notes for sure was great. And I actually love just how aggressively they entered the pit lane and left the pit lane. Big time. And Ron Dennis with a lollipop. Maybe just bring him back specifically for McLaren. I think the most impressive thing is pre-GoPro how good the footage was oh. on car. Yeah. To think back, 89, and you've got <laughs> live stream coming. I think it was only selected cars per yes. each week yeah. from memory, but bloody hell, it's still impressive to get it, be getting a live feed from a car moving that fast. And often that was the best shot of the entire time because oh. every camera operator just couldn't focus on the car. Yeah. So we need to bring up the helicopter. Well, this is... That's this in what's age poorly. We'll get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the fence about this one. Changing gear. Is that, yes. is that a good thing or a bad thing? Love it. A couple of in-cockpit shots. You see Santa going to pull a gear like... He has to lift his hand with the steering wheel. Oh, That's it. just something we're not it. used to seeing. Love it. As the lack of safety reasons to why camping. You know, it's pretty incredible. That. You, you know had to drive was, those cars, didn't you, Campy? Yeah. You had to drive it. And that was like pure, I mean, that was pure man and machine. Today, computers everywhere control everything, sensors and everything. Back then, not a computer or a microchip or a sensor on the thing. It was, right, we are racing this thing as hard as we possibly can. We're going to run it hot. If it runs out of an 
oil blowing <laughs> engine. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Let's just go for it. Yeah. We saw Mansell running around for five or six laps. Yeah. Oil Pouring somewhere. oil out of the back. Eventually, <laughs> the oil was going to run out as Martin Brundle up. What's his name alluded to? Sorry, Martin yeah. Walker. Mate. Martin Brundle was actually yeah. in the car yeah, racing. Probably behind him. He actually <laughs> crashed with someone too, but yeah, we love that stuff. Just, oh, mate. Imagine no that. black flags in Imagine sight. that for 2022. No computer electronics at all oh, in the car. Just all analog. Oh, love it. That it's would incredible. be, yeah, epic. Incredible. Kev, right, you alluded to it. What has aged poorly? Oh, the helicopter. Oh. Just because you've got it doesn't mean you should use it. That is like the worst bit of television I've ever seen. Like ever. If you've if you've watched the race, you'll know specifically going into the incident we're we're gonna talk to about the Proston Center. As it comes to like and Murray's like, and here we are watching it again, and you couldn't really watch it again because what they were tracking was not the track at all. It was just kind of I mean, look, technology's obviously coming away, but they can or- keep it. Either that or dad was drunk and he bought his 10-year-old to, <laughs> to work day <laughs> and he stuffed it up. <laughs> yeah, that's how I that worked too. Another thing that's aged poorly is eight-second pit stops. Yeah, That boy, is insane. Yeah. Hey? Anything over four seconds, we're like, whoa, that's bad. Unless you're watch, seven Ferrari. It's like watching IndyCar. It's crazy how long they took. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow. Individual wheel nuts in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. Why? <laughs> As not as well. We can, pit stops now are about as good as they get in Formula One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's still yeah. the best sport for pit stops easily. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, some fun little facts. Mm. I've got one. Do you guys have any? No. No. <laughs> well, fact, Pat, my fact that was Lewis Hamilton was three when this race. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. good. I'll give you that. Yeah. James? Also, mate, that next up. Time. you can Thank fact you. check me, but I'll be bloody close. <laughs> <laughs> Senna had qualified 13 out of 16 races on pole this year. That is incredible. It's phenomenal. That's incredible. And, and he's only win. had six wins for yeah. the year. Yeah. Can yeah. be alluded to it earlier that he had a very rough year with mechanical things, some random black flag getting rubbed off Jeez. kind of stuff. But Scream. 13 out of 16 pole positions is friggin' incredible. And you can see why he had so many in his career. Like yeah. his one lap pace is incredible. It probably speaks to a little bit of his consistency and how bloody bull at a gate he was yeah. when he was racing someone and how many risks he took. Against a certified star in Alan Prost too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that guy can drive. Yeah. Big time. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, this is the time when we come to Peak of Their Powers Award. Mm. So this is when we talk about a team, a person, all those kind of things, and we go, is this the best they ever were? Or at the peak, the most peak of their power. So, let's use McLaren for the example. Was this the best McLaren ever was? Yes. So, yes. We, I, I think it was. I think they had and two of the most elite drivers. They had clearly the best engine with that Honda. Their aero was far and away better than everyone else's. That car was just put together so much better than everyone yep. else's. Yep. And they did they go downhill when they lost Prost? No, because they, they retained Senna. Yeah. yeah, and, and he was Santa the one the next year. Yeah, yeah. so this this is kind of the, the peak year of McLaren. I mean, until I this think year. It, I think it is because it's still the era that everyone talks about. Everyone still yeah. talks about Santa as being the greatest and the yeah. best and the quickest, the purest racer and purest driver that we've ever seen. McLaren yeah. have had other dominant periods, sure, like in but their black and peak, white West. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sponsorship yeah, days, but the him. problem with that era, and David Coulthard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the problem with that era era is that. 
their mechanicals mm. yeah. happen too often on track. The car was so fast and quicker than everyone else, yeah. but you never knew if it was going to make the make the finish line mm. or not. Yep. So I would yep. say yes, it is the peak of their. I would think so. What about Honda? Is this the peak of Honda in F1? Well, it certainly wasn't when Fernando Alonso was with McLaren. <clears throat> F2 engine? <laughs> GP2 <laughs> engine. GP3. GP3. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Honda has it all to play for this year. Yeah. Uh, and then they're not going to exist in the sport again. So maybe I, by I, default, I think it is, yeah. That's, that's how the many, truth. How many championships does Honda as an engine supply? You're going to put me on the spot and I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't know Not either. enough. Can we just say yes? Well, they keep yes. on getting in I and out and I can't pick it up. So anyway. <laughs> no, I think it is. And then lastly, Senna. Was this the peak Senna? Was this when he was at his absolute peak powers? We just said 13 out of 16 pole positions. He didn't win the championship in this year, though. Should is that the thing? It, he should have, though. We, think, we all think he should have. We've talked about the six wins that he had. We've talked about the three wins that yep. he lost, two of them due to mechanicals, one getting taken out. Yeah. You take this race into consideration, that's yep. ten wins with a possible another one in Australia coming 16. after this race in oh, Adelaide. Yeah. I mean, that's 11 out of 16 qualified on pole with mechanicals because they happen all the time. Back one then. of the better seasons you'd ever see. Yeah, pretty yeah. mega. Yeah. Mega. Yeah. It's, it's this one or next season when he comes back with a fire in his belly. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, think, I think this is the peak. Should we talk about the actual incident itself? Because right, in it. my incredibly fast overview, I don't think we probably got into no. the, the specific Maybe incident. Maybe you can read that So this slowly. race was a race between two teammates really. Yeah. And and the basis of it is, is Prost got out to a really fast start, six seconds. That's the furthest he got out to. And then Santa put his head down and closed the gap, lost time because of um, cars holding him up, yep. and in the pit stop was still able to pull up and potentially get a on pass. On that fresh on rubber, he was incredible. Uh, oh, yeah. After yeah. that pit stop, oh. we just saw how good and how ballsy that guy is. Yeah. And, look, just the driving, the precision of it. Oh, yeah. In a manual car like that, you had to throw it around. You could see that every time he's under brakes, the front's unsettled, the rear is stepping left to right and still control it and set fastest laps times that we'd ever seen at this racetrack. It's just incredible. But anyway, talk about the incident, Jim. Yeah, so obviously after... Closing down that gap and and Senna was really flying to catch Prost. Uh, the only real place in the Suzuka that you can pass is the chicane right at the very end in that last corner. Now, uh, it is worth saying that uh, after this incident, Pro, uh, Senna did this exact same move again and it worked for him. So it wasn't like this was just a Hail Mary and, you know, what a silly place to pass. Yep. But he sent it up on the inside to go around the chicane against Prost. And Prost, before this race, had said to Ron Dennis... Coming out of 130R, which is a 300-kilometre entry speed, dude. Big, huge. Yeah, ridiculous. Huge. He said to Ron Dennis, I am not going to leave the door open anymore. Normally I would because teammates and trying to play everything, play yeah. all that stuff, but not anymore. And certainly that is exactly what happened. Uh, Senna put it on the inside and Prost closed the door. He saw Senna was there as well. You can see him looking in his mirrors and he just came in on Senna, thus putting what he thought, Prost thought, both of them out of the race. So Prost suffered more damage than Senna. Senna's had front wing damage, but Senna was still running. So Prost unbuckles his seatbelts, buggers off, walks yes, leisurely, yeah. does a leisurely stroll back to the pits and thinks it's in the bag. Whereas Senna gets the race stewards, uh, sorry, the guys alongside the track to come along and push him. 
Basically, give him a push start. Now, it's important to note, and Candy, maybe you can talk about this, that push starts weren't legal except for in certain instances. Yeah, and the instances is the way they classified it was if your car was in an unsafe position and the the, the stewards or marshals. The marshals could push start you, then that was acceptable and that was fine. Yeah. The other thing with Psyche was too, Prost didn't care if he took out Senna or not because if he took out Senna, he'd won the world championship either yeah. way. So there's always this thought about whether it was deliberate or whether he was not being gentlemanlike. So, yeah. so he thought. So he was out going. Well, I've won the world championship. So there's conversation, yeah. right, Tommy? Murray Walk is like, oh, sorry, Paul. His co-commentator is like, well, he's going to get a penalty for a push start. And even I was like, dude, just maybe give a bit of like, interest Paul. into this because Murray's yeah. like, oh, is this going to happen? Yeah. So whilst Prost is walking back to the pits, Senna's had to do a full lap of the entire racetrack to get back to the pit entry. And that's because he didn't go through the chicane where the pit entry is. He went through the outside part of the track. If you've watched this, you know what because we're talking he had about. To, right? Yeah, because he had to. And everyone said, well, he's gonna get, you know, he's gonna get a penalty for the push start. That's not what ended up happening. We'll come to that a little bit yeah. later. But anyway, enter Ron Dennis, Superman with the lollipop, runs out as Senna completes his lap. And this point, uh, Nanini was around 46 seconds behind Senna. Senna pits, new nose cone. So it actually looked a lot easier to put a new nose cone on those cars than it would do something today, yep. uh, even with or without Ron Dennis pausing for effect. <laughs> While he's in the pits, Nanini takes the lead. So Benetton, this is the first, it'll be the best result he's ever had if he finishes in first. He's finished third a couple of times. Benetton's running um, a Cosworth V8, so it's not as quick as the V10 Honda Power in the McLaren. But there's about a four and a half, five second difference by the time Senna leaves the pits. And he has no other damage apart from the wing damage. So he's chasing down Nanini within one or two laps. This dude is all over it. Fast forward, it takes the checkered flag, he take and Nanini comes second, and it was an incredible. Incredible but he comeback. made the pass on Nanini in the same place that yeah. he went for the pass on Prost. Yep, and Nanini locked his front left, left the door open like a gentleman. Yep. Yep. It didn't turn in on him and, you yep. know, because he wants, and they even said it, Nanini wants second over Prost wanted centre out. Yes. Yep. And so that's that's the clincher. Anyway, so I just Very, thought it would be good oh, to perfect. to look through through that specific incident. So, But let's talk about what then happens after the race. Yeah, so that happens, and then, as you alluded to, not just a penalty, but a disqualification. So this just opens but a what, whole kettle. What did he get disqualified for? You tell so us, Campy. He got he didn't get disqualified because the marshals push started him. He got disqualified because he didn't make an attempt to do a one eighty turn and take the proper chicane before you go onto the straight. Where his car was positioned and where the marshals had to push him forward to start it, there was no way that he could safely do a U-turn and take the chicane on the track. He just went the alternative route yep. and went onto the straight. If you know it's a Suga layout, I mean, the fans... It's hardly a shortcut. It's hardly you a would... shortcut after you've just had a crash and stalled your car with your teammate and yeah. got push started. So it's not yep. like he gained an advantage. Yeah. But he got disqualified for not taking the chicane. Which now is just a penalty. If you miss a corner, you miss something, yeah. penalty. Classic FIA, hey? 
Hasn't yep. changed at all, stewards. So we we go in and there's legal battles. There's we've got Ron Dennis lodging full full scale legal battles into getting this overturned as we're going to the final race in Australia at that time. Yeah, because it's all to play for. And it must be said that Prost had already signed with Ferrari and was on mm. his way out, so he yep. didn't give a crap. Mm. He was like done with McLaren. Whatever, well, screw McLaren, you guys, I'm McLaren off. McLaren had wrapped up the constructors and it was either between him or Prost that was winning the world championship. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And this was all to, like, as if yep. Senna didn't get this win, which he'd won technically at the checkered flag. Yes. He couldn't win in Australia even if he came first and Prost came last. It wouldn't have mattered. So it was very important. This dragged on and for ages. Oh, ages. Yeah. Yeah. This is teammates too. Like, you got to remember politically yeah. at the time, Senna was the driver's driver of oh. the people. Everyone loved him because of the moves that he made on track and he was known for taking those tight lines. He was like what we see modern day and some of the driving skill and passes these days. Yeah. He was locked that back, back locked that 30 years ago. Yeah. So, um, but his personality rubbed the FIA and Formula One up the wrong way. Yeah. And they had a clear, they had a clear favouritism towards. You agenda? Yeah, <laughs> what does agenda do? They're corrupt. They set him up to fail. Yeah. And it's a real shame, but um, that's just ultimately what happened, right? Yeah. So can't change history. No. But what happened the next year, boys? Same At Suzuka, s- same track. Well, Senna takes it. No. Same no. thing happens. Senna qualifies on pole and he's fuming that he has to start on the dirty side of the track. Mm. So yep. he started on the dirty side of the track. He wanted the racing line to start on that side. Prost qualified second in the Ferrari. was between those two for the world championship. So anyway, Senna went and complained and said, I want to start on this side. This is crap because it was dirty and greasy. Sure enough, Alan Prost gets the start of his life again. <laughs> and into turn one, Senna just said, the old fuck it. And just went straight into him, took him out, and the world championship was his, and there was nothing the FIA could do. About. That's incredible. That's the biggest. No, because, like, you think about it, because Prost, if we look, we've got some photos of the incident yeah. as well. Prost clearly cut in and didn't leave space for Senna to make the move, yeah. right? Clearly, in my opinion. I mean, it was tight. You probably shouldn't put a car there, but, you know, at. Specific points in that pass, he had the car in a position where Prost should have been a gentleman and given in the room. Yeah. But he turned in on deliberately crashed him, tried to take him out. So what happened 12 months later? Poetic justice, same thing. That. Ah, fuck you, mate. Just <laughs> took him out straight off. Not that I like that. Not that I think that's the way to go about it, but he's lost. But in the relationship of those two guys, you can imagine how it was. Totally. Oh. If you check out the check out the slide, we'll, we'll throw it up in the. Yeah. You'll be able to see it. You're able to see it. But they hated each other. That and that is the serious thing. But who did yeah. you think was right in so this that? Is what, this is what we're going to end on. Is like who do we think was in the right here? I, I'm I'm backing Senna because I before I even liked F1, I loved Senna. Yeah. Just as a guy, I think. He, he was a gentleman on the track in those kind of respects. Off the track, he was a jerk. I think everyone loved that, but I think you could tell that it was because he just loved it. It's Max one. Verstappen. It's all it's it's he's, he's, previous Max Verstappen. He is the Gen 1 Mac, Max Verstappen. But you could see how much it meant to him. And to see a guy that wants to get going again and just, I don't care if I'm behind, don't care if I need to pit again, well, I'm going to win this race. Like, so determined. You just don't see that. We see drivers now just, done. Yeah. Catcher. Yeah, yeah look, I, I think Prost... 
did it on purpose, closed the door. He said it, all this lead up to it and, you know, I said, oh, Prost and afterwards. To, thanks. To, said it, to have said it first as well. Yeah, Senna drove dangerously and that's not okay and blah, blah, blah. It's like we can't say that when a couple laps later he does exactly the same move on Anini <laughs> and Anini is able to see him and push him through. We yeah. say that in, well, we said it in the 2020 season, you see Kimi Raikkonen in a slightly slower car, a faster car's coming through. We'll battle yeah. them to slow them yeah. down, but when the time is right, we'll let him oh, let yeah. them go through. Yeah. So, yeah, look, Incredible race, Suzuka. Uh, if you haven't yet watched it and you're watching this first, which is totally fine, uh, we'll throw some links down below so where you can see it. But an incredible look back incredible into race. history. Uh, uh, it's great. But you'd be stuck. I love it. I love it. It's just the best. Look, 31 years ago it happened. Like, yeah. I mean, that's how long the sport's been going for, and longer than that. It's yeah. just got such a history, and yes, it changes and adapts and changes with the times, but, you know, they were the real glory years for F1, really. Yeah. And the post-the-louder-hunt era as well, that was yeah. the next centre, was the next person to, to really uh, to grab the attention of the world and the yes. attention of the whole world on yes. one driver because of what he could do behind the steering wheel. Love that, behind a steering wheel. Well, if you've enjoyed this, we'll be doing plenty more this year. Please consider subscribing. You can find all the information uh, from where we're doing all of our stuff in the description below. And uh, check out our merch store. If you want to support the uh, show and the podcast, buying some merch goes a long way and we really love it. But uh, for now, that's it. Boys, thank you very much. And we'll see you next episode. I'll let you guys handle quality. Yeah, well, there's not much to say. It was fucking just practice, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was basically just an hour of practice, wasn't it? Was it Friday, Saturday, whatever the best time? We won't watch it. We'll we'll jump in later if we have to. All right, James, you still intro and everything normally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll just float through this, aren't I?